This is Her Self-Expression with Beverly Price, a podcast dedicated to women who seek self-empowerment. Like many women, Beverly suffered with low self-esteem, and now she is on the other side and is ready to share her knowledge with you. In this podcast, we interview inspirational women every week who share action-oriented tips to boost self-image and self-confidence. If you'd like to move from self-loathing to self-love, as Beverly did, stay tuned for today's episode that is sure to help you take on the world. And now, here's Beverly. Enjoy the show. Hi, beautiful. I hope you're having an awesome day. I'm Beverly Price, life transition and empowerment coach who's helped hundreds of women on their empowerment journey. If you'd like to work with me, you can contact me at HerSelfExpression.com. I'm also the host of this podcast called Her Self-Expression. Research shows that four out of every five women struggle with their self-image and self-confidence. Her Self-Expression provides knowledge, support, and insight to help women on their journey to self-empowerment on the inside and out so they can take on the world. Today, I have these questions for you to think about. Do you know how to realize a toxic work environment? Have you worked in a toxic work environment? And did it take a toll on your self-worth? Well, my guest today is Terry McDougall. Terry is going to help us learn about a subject that many women deal with, and that's toxic leaders in the workplace. Terry is an executive and career coach, speaker, and best-selling author of Winning the Game of Work, Career Happiness and Success on Your Own Terms. How wonderful. She works with managers, executives, and professionals who want to draw upon their greatest, most authentic abilities to positively impact their organizations. She supports clients who are creating change, driving innovation, and navigating transitions. Terry relies on both her formal training as a coach and firsthand experience as a corporate leader to support her clients as they work through their goals. After 30 years of corporate business experience, 15 of which were in senior management roles, Terry chose to become a coach and concentrate on helping leaders step fully into their potential to lead satisfying careers. Hi, Terry. It's so great to have you here. Thank you so much for being my guest today. Beverly, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I am so fascinated about this topic because I've had so much experience with yeah. it over my career. First, could you tell me a little bit about your own personal journey to empowerment? Yeah, you know, boy, where do I even begin? I, I had an unusual childhood where we moved because of my dad's job 40 times by the time I was 11. Wow. Which is mind boggling. It's, it really caused a lot of disruption, but it also helped me to be resilient. I learned a lot of things, but it also left me with some, you know, kind of wounds, I suppose. Really got a lot of satisfaction out of focusing on school. And mm -hmm. I was a very good student. I was actually the first mm -hmm. person in my family to go to college. And then when I got into the workplace, I thought that if I just 
did the same thing that I had done in school in the workplace that I would naturally move up. And I found that that right. really wasn't the case at all. And I've done a lot of work personally because, as you can imagine, my parents are divorced and, <laughs> you know, a lot of, yes. lot of family turmoil that I. Yeah, I've been to through that, take. too. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I took responsibility at a certain point to say, you know, I can't go back and change the past, but I can take inventory of how that affected me and that's so books, go to therapy do all the things I needed to do for, to heal from what the trauma that I had been through but at the same time you know I that was actually part of what drove me to try to be successful in the workplace because I knew that if I could be successful and make a good living, that I could have the comfort in my own life. And, and that has certainly worked. I mean, I'm married, I have three kids, and I did lead a, a successful corporate career. But it wasn't something that I, I think a lot of us think, oh, if we get that great job, with that good company, that the rest is just going to be a piece of cake. And I found out very quickly, it wasn't like that. And I, I struggled for a number of years before I finally started sort of seeing how you actually play the game of work. That's the reason why I named my right. book that. Because I think that there are a lot of unwritten rules in the workplace that nobody ever tells you. And I would yes. say particularly women, right? I think mm -hmm. that there are some things that, you know, men will tell each other or they'll mentor each other. They'll they'll pass along information or tips on on how you get ahead. And I think a lot of times women are left out of those conversations. Right. And as I learned more and more as a leader, I actually started coaching and mentoring people on my staff, which I led marketing for a number of businesses. And um, it, it, I just really enjoyed that. And I also saw that women were having a, an easier time of influencing and and getting the things done they needed to with my guidance and you know they enjoyed it and so that was actually what led me to become a coach but yeah that's <laughs> I I've got lots of stories about you know many of the struggles that I had and maybe we'll get into sure. that I can kind of illustrate some of the things that are in my book with some of the stories from myself and other people that I've talked to yeah well so I'm curious now can you mention a few of those unwritten rules for women? Well, yeah, you know, I think that one unwritten rule that I learned way too late was that there's really only three ways to add value at work. And that is you're helping the company to make money, save money or reduce risk. And that gave me a whole new lens to look through to think about what am I doing and for what reason am I doing this? Because I think a lot of people think that, hey, if I just go in and I just do what I do, sit at my desk for eight hours and, you know, answer emails or or go to meetings, that I'm doing my job. And yeah, yeah. maybe you are doing your job, but if you want to get ahead, you really have to be able to demonstrate that you are adding value because, you know, the bottom line with any business is that it's return on investment. If they're mm -hmm. getting a lot of value out of what they invest in you for your salary and for, you know, all of the benefits and training and so forth, and then they're going to want to keep you. And if you mm -hmm. keep increasing the amount of value that you add, that's how you get promoted because they'll say, well, gosh, if she's doing that, as an individual contributor, 
what would happen if we if we multiplied that by making her a manager and she has people gotcha. under her? Wow. Okay. So what is a toxic work environment? <laughs> well, a, a toxic work environment is one in which, gosh, people don't feel good. Things can't get done. It's unproductive. You know, a lot of the, the signals that work environment is toxic is that there's high turnover. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people taking a lot of sick days. There's not a lot of pro productivity at all. It's just not a good environment at all. And I mean, I think wow. that most of us would feel it. You're going to feel it if, right. if you're in a toxic work environment. You're going to be dreading going to work. You're going to sometimes feel sick. You're going to maybe be doing some behaviors to compensate. Like I, I was in one, I worked for a toxic manager for about 10 months who was just horrendous. And you know, I, I don't love to admit this, but I came home many nights and drank like half a bottle of wine, you know, so mm -hmm. sometimes we'll we'll do like self-medicating behaviors or other things to try to reduce the stress or to counteract the stress. Yeah. What can be done to change a toxic work environment? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the first thing to to do is step back and look the situation and ask yourself, is this a short-term situation? You know, for example, if, you know, you're going up to a deadline or the company is working on a, a merger integration or something where there's a deadline that once that major crisis is passed, that perhaps things could get better. You know, so it's a, I think it's important okay. to, to ask that, right? Is this short-term or is this, you know, chronic? And then if there's something that you would like to see done differently. I mean, because a lot of times I think our first instinct is to flee, to say, oh, I just have to quit this place. But right. before you do that, you know, think about what you need and ask for it. You know, so if mm -hmm. it's, you know, you're sitting next to somebody who's super negative, maybe go and ask to see if you can move where you sit, move your office, move your your cubicle, maybe working from home a couple days a week might help alleviate that. So really think about what you need, not not what is painful to you, but what you would need for it to be productive. Ask for that. Now, this would be a sign of like a really toxic workplace if they were like, you know, no way, we can't do that. And, you know, they blamed it on you, whatever. But it's important to be proactive about thinking about what you need and asking for it, because that's going to tell you for sure whether it's toxic. Like if they just don't care, and right. then that's going to tell you something else, right? That's going to tell you that, yeah, this is probably not someplace where I can stay long-term. Absolutely. You mentioned in a few places that worthiness, that feeling yeah. worthy yes. is important. How how important is it? I know it's important in general, but how important is it in a toxic work environment? You know, it's critical. And I think that a lot of times, and particularly with women, because we tend to want to, you know, keep even keeled positive relationships, you know, even I would say be people pleasers. And so a lot of times when we're in a, a toxic environment, 
we will sacrifice to try to make it better, right? We'll bend Mm -hmm. over backwards to try to make things better. And I think it's very important to step back and recognize the pattern of what's going on and not allow yourself to get sucked in where all of your energy is going into trying to fix something that might not be fixable. It's really important to put some boundaries in place that allow you to have some space for self-care. Because what happens when you give 110% to a situation that's not fixable is that you become like completely burnt out. And Mm -hmm. when you're burnt out, you have no energy to escape the situation, right? Because if you've given 110% at a workplace that doesn't appreciate you, where you're not going to be successful because of reasons that are beyond your control, you really need to get out of it. And so you're Mm -hmm. going to need to preserve enough energy to start looking for another job or think about, you know, other ways of leaving that environment. And I think that we can lose perspective sometimes when we're in that and start feeling like, oh, this is my fault. And if I was only better and this is not true, we have to value ourselves and we have to see ourselves in the context of that bad, bad situation and to really question, is it me or is mm-hmm. it my boss? Is it just the environment within this organization? You know, be be thoughtful about that and and don't blame yourself first. Absolutely. It sounds like this is very similar to being in a toxic relationship. Absolutely. You know, an intimate relationship, the same things that you should do. I yes. was I work for a toxic company and it was toxic from the CEO down yeah. and it kind of passed down to all the sure. leaders and then down into the force. And yeah. we even did a corporate survey, a, a company like survey, an engagement survey, and it pointed mm-hmm. out those things and yeah. they refused to look at it. Sure. So, yeah, they just, they downplayed what they said was, oh, they're just complaining, you know, that kind of thing. Right. And that's usually another people, sign, I think. Yeah, people complain for a reason, usually, and especially when it's that yeah. widespread. You know, I, I would say in a situation like that, probably the best thing to do is leave because it's not going to change if it's coming from the CEO. In my situation, yeah. I worked for a good company and I'd worked for it for a number of years before a new manager came in and she was she was like she was crazy. <laughs> you know, she'd always be like yes. yelling on the phone, micromanaging. Oh and she just uh, she was really horrible to work for and she did get fired. And so in that situation, you know, things went back to a better place after she was gone, but that's that's why I think it's important to like look around and say, okay, is it my manager? If it's my manager, maybe I can get a, a job in a different department. But if it's the CEO or if it's just the culture, yeah, you know. And one thing I I hear people say a lot because, you know, a lot of times people will come to me and not they're not sure whether they should stay or go in their role, and they'll say things like, oh, it's the same everywhere, and I really try to help people not be so fatalistic, because I really believe that if you can envision something better, that you can build a roadmap to get there, you know, but you have to be optimistic and you have to be willing to take some action in that direction. There are, there, there are fantastic 
ways to be able to make money. It doesn't have to be working for another toxic organization. Right. I, um, I experienced such a loss of self-esteem that I didn't feel that I could find another good job. Sure. Common. Is that a common thing? <clears throat> it's very common. It's very common. And I think it's, I think that when I was saying earlier, it's important to put boundaries in place and start to resist if people are trying to take your power, you know, recognize what your power okay. is. And, you know, a lot of times in toxic environments, I mean, a lot of times there's a lot of narcissists that cause these things and they yes. will really try to project things onto you. And may, and for, for a lot of us that are very empathetic, you know, we care about how other people feel. But sometimes when you're dealing with somebody who doesn't care and is not sensitive at all, that they'll dump a lot on us. Yeah. And if we know that we're sensitive, I think it's it's even more important to put a boundary in place. One of the tools that I suggest to to my clients a lot of times when they're dealing with, you know, negative people is to imagine themselves in a big plastic bubble, kind of like, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, like The Boy in the Bubble. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> it just imagine, you know, when they have to deal with that person, imagine being in a plastic bubble so that you can see the person. You can hear them, but when they start, you know, spewing their negativity towards you, it hits the outside of the bubble and it just drips down. It doesn't, it doesn't hit you because I, I think a lot of times we just absorb that without recognizing that we've got a choice about whether we believe that what they're saying right. or not. And, and it really, it's not what other people say. It's what we believe about what other people say. And so if somebody's saying, right. oh, you're terrible, Beverly, and you're like, oh my gosh, am I, am I really terrible? That's where it starts to hurt. But if you say, that, you're crazy, I'm not terrible. I'm a hard worker, you know? Yeah. And we don't have to take it, you know? And I think it's really important for us to, you know, stand up and do our, you know, our power pose or, you know, even stand right. up and put your hands on your hips and, and feel the space and the power that you can take up. Yeah. Start to do it. Start to take the space. Start to, you know, recognize the value that you bring and stand firm in it. Yeah. Are there, if for some of those people, well, one of the things I learned when I was doing another episode with a psychotherapist on narcissism where she said only less than 1% of narcissists can change. Yeah. And so if you're working, let's say, for a company that the CEO is a narcissist mm -hmm. and it just keeps passing down and you make mm -hmm. the decision to leave, are mm -hmm. there any things to watch out for to not get into another toxic environment or there yeah. things to recognize that it is a healthy environment. Uh, that's a really good question. You know, I I think that when you're interviewing, it's important to ask very insightful questions, right? Like things like, "Why did you decide to work here? You know, what is it that you like the most about this?" And ask this of everybody that you talk to because I think that if you notice that people are hesitant that they may be trying to hide something 
you know, but if, right. if people are very effusive and seem very genuine and you're hearing, you know, similar things or, or what seems to be authentic things from different people in the organization, that's, it's sort of almost like giving you a 360, right? But if yeah. you, if people are guarded and they're, they don't want to share a lot personally about why they work there, it may be that they're just tolerating it and they're looking for a job, <laughs> you know, so absolutely, I think that that's important. absolutely. Now, yeah. one thing, though, I will say about narcissists is that what they tend to do on the front end of a relationship is give you everything that you want. You know, like in, yeah. in personal relationships, you hear about this love bombing, right? Like, oh, my yes. gosh, you're perfect. You're the woman I've been looking for my whole life, blah, blah, blah. And then once they feel secure that you're you're theirs, that's when the abuse yeah. starts. And yeah. that often is also what happens in the work environment that they're like, oh, we really want you. And then once you get in there, they're like, you know, piling work on you and they're not really fulfilling the things that um, they ask. So I, I, I think it's important to do your research, to talk to other people that work there, do networking. Um, mm -hmm. you know, maybe go out to LinkedIn and, and see if you can, you either know somebody that works there, right. you know, ask around, it's like ask, yeah. ask people like, oh, I see that you used to work at this company. What do you know about this supervisor or what's it like to work there? What's the environment yeah. like? Yeah. A blast I think, to work I, too. <laughs> yeah. I think a question of what's your turnover like too would be yes. a good one. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and I, one thing that I, I like, or I suggest that people ask is, you know, why are you hiring for this role? You know, cause it might be a new role. That's a good but question. But it might be, you know, oh, the, you know, last person's spouse moved or, and they had to move with them, whatever you find out how open or evasive they are about the answer may give you some tips on whether you need to go a little deeper and, and look, look around a little more about what might be going on there. Gotcha. Well, now is a great time to take a quick break. Everyone, please stay tuned and we'll be back in a moment where Terry will share some tips to help you find your worth in a toxic environment. We'll be right back. Hi, beautiful. Beverly Price here again. Thank you for listening to my podcast. Are you or is anyone you know stuck carrying the life-numbing emotional baggage after your divorce? I call this the divorce hangover. Whether you are newly divorced or divorced many years ago, this happens. Do you want more? Want to feel happy, worthy, confident, and successful? Want to move on? Many women invest in attorneys and accountants, but ignore their emotional recovery. Some because they don't feel like they deserve it. Others won't invest in themselves like we do for others. And others decide just to stuff their emotions and trudge through life. If this sounds like you or someone you know and you want more out of life, then my Divorce Recovery Coaching Program may be just the answer. With one-on-one -on -one personal support, we'll work together to cure your divorce hangover with a customized solution. Join hundreds of women that have walked through divorce with me to the other side. Schedule a free confidential divorce recovery breakthrough session to learn more and say yes 
to thriving for your lifetime. The link to schedule this session will be in the show notes. Now let's get back to the show. And we're back. Terry, what actionable steps would you take to give the woman in our audience to find their worth in a toxic environment? Well, I think that it's important to step back and remind yourself of the things that you've achieved in your career and in your life. Because sometimes when we're in a toxic environment, we're so in the weeds with it that we lose perspective. Mm -hmm. So remind yourself of everything that you've achieved. Make sure that you take care of yourself. When you get home from work as much as you can, or if you're working from home and you close that computer, as much as you can, try to leave work outside of the home or outside of your personal time. Do things that you enjoy, that you have fun doing so that you refill your energy tank. Um, Because when we get down where we're very low energy, it can be very easy to slip into that negativity and feel like there's nothing that you can do. And, you know, spend some time thinking about like, what are the options that you have? Like I said earlier, it could be, you know, step back and ask yourself, is it just my boss? Is it a coworker? Is it this department? Or is it the whole company? You know, because that's going to give you different options of what you can do. Like I said, you might be able to find a a job in another department at the same company where you may start to realize that, no, this isn't the right thing. And one one other thing, and everybody's probably heard of the quiet quitting revolution. And I don't, you know, I wouldn't say, you know, pick up a paycheck and don't do any work, right? But I think a lot of us give a lot at work. And if if you're thinking that you want to get out, consider what's the minimum that you can do so you don't burn yourself out so that you do have enough energy to find another job and or, you know, maybe start a business or something to get out. Yeah. And maybe if they have the financial means, take a little break. Sure. In between sure. the two to kind of recharge. Yeah, there's there's mm-hmm. a lot of options. I Just one more thing. I mean, mm-hmm. not that I, that I, each of us has to figure out what's right for us. I had one client who was in a very, very toxic environment, and she actually ended up taking medical leave for mental health reasons for 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. And that helped her to determine what her next steps were. Oh, that's a great if idea. It's, if it's extreme, I mean, if you really are feeling like your health is suffering or you're depressed or, you know that's an option. And I, and for most companies that's protected by law. Yes, absolutely. If we go back now to your personal journey and your personal Mm -hmm. experience, what support or what do you wish you had in the past that would have helped you on your empowerment journey? You know, I, I really wish that I had been more confident about finding mentors earlier in my career mm-hmm. and also that I had been bolder about networking. I can mm-hmm. remember being in my 20s and people saying, oh, you know, you need to network. It, this was before LinkedIn, so it wasn't as easy as it is now. But I always I got really nervous about it because I always thought about networking as like going into a giant ballroom and trying to balance hors d'oeuvres and a wine glass and business cards. <laughs> And and it's really not like that. You know, it's really just thinking about people that you know or people that maybe your friends and colleagues know 
and just letting people know you. It's it. I actually think the best networking is just getting to know people when you don't need anything. You know, where it's just yes. like, hey, I'd like to get to know you. Like, you know, what what can I do to help you? Mm-hmm. You know, I think approaching meeting new people with curiosity and respect and re- reciprocity is really the best approach. And it's, I learned this lesson like later in my career, but I love networking now because I get to uh-huh. meet great people like you, for example, you know, and I meet a lot of <laughs> and people. And me, you. That, yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's, there's a lot of really nice people out there that are very willing to help because they know what comes around goes around, you know? Yeah. I mean, to me, it's a little bit like when I network, for example, on LinkedIn, what I try and say is, you know, that I'm passionate about women's empowerment. I'd love to talk to you. Are you willing to have a coffee chat? And that's even a little safer for people that are afraid of it than a face-to-face networking event. Yes. Yes. But one of the things I did way back was and and now that you're talking about it I think I must have had a good bit of burnout and didn't even you know realize it but I was a single mom so I spent all my time on either work or my children uh-huh. and I didn't take the time to build any kind of support system so yeah. once the kids were you know out of high school going into college I woke up and go whoa I don't have a support system yeah And I think it's critical as a corporate employee, but also if you're going to become an entrepreneur and even just for your mental and emotional health, what thoughts do you have on support systems? And and in this case, I'm not necessarily thinking of it as business networking, but just, you know, that embodiment. Yeah. You know, I've been a member of a few women's groups over the years. Some some are paid, some are just like neighborhood book club type things. And I think that you could start one today, <laughs> you know, just mm-hmm. by reaching out to neighbors or friends or, or people. The great thing about the days we're living in now is we've got Zoom. I, I've been yeah. on some mastermind groups that, you know, I just asked other people if they wanted to get involved and we just decided we were going to meet on a monthly basis to um this one in particular was about my coaching business and I was with other coaches and we were just getting together on a monthly basis to share our wins share our challenges share what was going on Mm -hmm. in our personal life and it's amazing how close of friends you can become in those situations and if if you find people that you have something in common with you know, you're going to be able to help them. They're going to be able to help you. And you can build those friendships. And, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, traveling or spending any money. It could just be saying, okay, an hour once or twice a month, we're going to get together and, you know, just do a little round robin sharing what we have going on. And, you know, a lot of times also things come out of that, like where maybe somebody mentioned something and you end up having a side conversation about it. And, I, to me, it's it's been a really beautiful thing since I left the corporate world because, you know, as you probably know, is when you're an entrepreneur, it can be lonely sometimes. Very, and so yes. Finding other people that you have something in common with and who understand what you might be going through 
can be really helpful. And I, I certainly don't think that I would still be running my business if I didn't have that kind of support from other yeah. friends and colleagues. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I believe that so much. Well, I have one question that I like to ask all my guests to wrap things up. And that is, what does self-expression mean to you? That's how, wow. You know, and I, I think it means just being able to be creative. And if, if I think of something just to me, uh -huh. that feels really good. You know, and I, I've done, I mean, you know, I've got my book, I've got two podcasts. <laughs> and and yeah. I will say that, you know, getting outside the corporate environment, I feel so much more free just to be able to, to express myself. I don't have to yeah. jump through any hoops or convince anybody else that it's a good idea. I can just do it. And that's, it's a little scary sometimes, but it's a lot of fun too. Yeah. I think one thing that tends, that women tend to struggle with a little bit is fear. Yeah. Fear of networking, fear of what somebody's going to say to you. Mm -hmm. Do you have any tips on fear? Well, it's natural to be fearful. And at the same time, the only way to get over it is to take some action. And it doesn't have to be a giant, you know, I actually, I got this advice when I was first starting my business because I had such high expectations for myself. And I was, I got some advice from somebody and he was like, you know, you don't have to take your first step off the high dive. He's like, you can start at the baby end of the pool. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh, okay. I can just start by dipping my toe in. Right. So right. you could you could set some goals for yourself just to say, like, I'm going to ask my neighbor to coffee or I'm going mm -hmm. to, you know, call up my roommate from college or, you know, just start with something that you can't fail. Right. You can't fail at. Right. And also realize that most of the time people will respond in kind. So if you are being open and nice and, you know, approachable, they're, they're going to be receptive to that. And when, when you don't get the response that you expect, just go on to the next person because some people yeah. have even more fear than you do. Yeah. So maybe they're, you know, not everybody's going to respond, but most people will. I, I found that, you know, being out here and networking and talking to people that like 98% of people I run into are just super nice and helpful and you know, yeah. if I'm interested in them, they're interested in me, which, you know, that's how you yeah. start. Like, hey, tell me about you. Yeah, absolutely. Terry, how can our listeners find you? Well, they can go to my website, terrybmcdougall.com. I've got some chapters of my book out there, um, lots of information, blogs, et cetera. And, and they can book some time with me on my calendar if they want to learn more. I'm also active on LinkedIn, and my handle on LinkedIn is Terry B. McDougall. And it's Terry E-R-R-Y. Yeah, Terry with a Y. Okay. That's right. I've seen a lot of different spellings of it over I know. the years. My, my yeah. first and last name can be both be spelled many different ways. <laughs> That's true. Do you have anything else you'd like to share with the audience? Well, I want to share that you are valuable. You were put on this earth for a reason. You are unique. There's nobody else like you. So really embrace that. Love yourself and start letting people see who you are because 
you know, you weren't here to fit into anybody else's box. You figure out who yeah. you are and, and be you and be happy. That's beautiful. I suggest to my clients that every day they write down five things that are awesome about themselves. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Well, Terry, Terry, thank you so much for being my guest today. And to the audience, all of Terry's information will be available in the show notes along with mine. Please connect with Terry to learn more. To get to where Terry describes, we need insight, willingness, and walking through a little bit of fear. I believe that we need both outside and inside strength to come together to make our empowerment journey complete. Thank you for being with Terry and me on this episode of Her Self-Expression. I hope you can see the direct connection between knowing you are worthy, dealing with toxic environments, and empowerment. I love connecting you with incredible women that can provide actionable steps for you to take on your journey. You can find our podcast on links at Apple, Spotify, Podopolo, and more. Please download and share it with your friends. The more women we reach, the more interesting topics and impactful guests we can have. Remember, the more you express yourself, the better you feel. Self-expression doesn't have to be a mystery. It's your key to navigating self-empowerment both inside and out. But most importantly, you don't have to go it along. I've been through painful life changes and my own empowerment journey to get to the other side with experience to guide you. No matter where you are in your journey, I'm here to help. Thank you and take care. Thank you for listening to the Her Self-Expression podcast today. To listen to past episodes, visit www.herselfexpression.com. Once there, you're going to want to take our quiz to see where you stand right now on your journey to self-expression. If you have any questions or would like to share your thoughts with Beverly and other like-minded women, join our Facebook group, the Her Self-Expression Sisterhood. Invite your friends too. When you download and subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or other podcast services, be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends to download it too so we can continue to help others. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. And remember, self-expression doesn't have to be a mystery. It's your key to confidence and self-empowerment both inside and out. But most importantly, remember that you don't have to do it alone. Visit www.herselfexpression.com and join us today.